This is LCM. Pronounced local. Oh, living a creative life. I'm Rawat Majdi. And I'm Muhammad Sirul. We're creatives talking to creatives about what it means to be a creative. So get ready for some delicious conversations and awesome takeaways so that you can maximize your own creative life. Today we have Angie Ibrahim. Angie is 19 years old. She writes poetry to understand life and really loves to perform it. And I can attest to that. Angie's poetry performances are stunning and always leaves the audience like literally either in tears or laughter or both. So Angie, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. We're really excited to have you. I'm Um, so happy to be here. Angie, tell us a little bit about your poetry writing. Okay, so I started writing poetry, um, I think when I was a lo- like around 11. It's been an on and off relationship, kind of. Like I started when around the revolution because I wanted to, like I felt like it was such a significant thing that I wanted to write about it. Um, there's a whole story to that, but I don't want to spend too much time on it. So if you want to know more about how I got into poetry, you can check out my TEDx talk. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's cool, that's fancy. Nice. Already a plug, I like it. I, like I it. know, right? <laughs> Um, but, uh, basically right now, how I use poetry is mostly to understand myself. I, I'm not the kind of writer who kind of arrives to the laptop at like 11 a.m. every day or every Friday or, you know, at a set time and I can write. I mostly, like, the things that I write that I'm most proud of are actually right when I'm about to sleep. And then, like, the next morning, I wake up and I'm just like, wait, how did I write that when I'm half asleep? Like, how did that even happen? Um, for me, poetry is a lot... Um, it's it's more about, nat- like, naturally just understanding myself. I use words to kind of codify um, the, like, randomness that's happening in my head, which doesn't make sense a lot of the time. Uh, also, the randomness that's in life, which doesn't make sense all the time. Um, so you started a new Instagram account for this, I think, to put out all of the randomness and rants in your head. Can you tell us a little yeah, bit more exactly. about that decision? Um, well, the thing is, I've been writing poetry for a long time, but um, right now I feel like I want to do more than just poetry. I feel like I'm already doing more than just poetry. I'm just not doing it outside of my brain. Um and in the beginning, it was just like I wanted, I was inspired by some writer on Instagram that I can't remember. Um, and basically, she was blogging every day for Ramadan. And she said that, like, it wasn't because to be productive or to basically write for the sake of writing. It was to write because she wanted to make a ritual out of it. Um, and I thought to myself, wow, that's actually really interesting to write or to create anything every day because I need it, because it actually helps me, um, you know, just navigate life better. Um, and so I, st- I started doing that, but it was more like just me and my Google Docs, you know, being like NGing up number one, NGing up number two. And then I would pause for like seven days or whatever, and I'm just like NGing up number three. And it's just like there's a gap between them. Um, and I've been thinking for a while about like starting an Instagram account that's just kind of like, hey, that's just me doing stuff, being, you know, NG. Um, so yeah, so I, I use the name NGing up because um, I think of myself as a verb. I don't know why. I feel like everyone is a verb in a way. Uh, for me, NGing up is just being very thoughtful about things sometimes, but also uh, in a messy way. Um, 
I'm always trying to find the significance of things, of um, just to to find meaning in life. Um, and I feel like, you know, you can look for that in big things, but it's actually more about the day-to-day things that you do. So that is why I decided to start an, a separate Instagram account um, where I just do whatever I want. Now I'm trying to venture into designing things, um, maybe just writing in general, not poetry. Um, and yeah, I for right now I'm just figuring things out. Really. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> I, wanna, I, I need to take you back to the world of like figuring things out from the day like the day you're living. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Like, can you talk, talk to us about how like you are in the day to day things? Yeah, like today. Okay, so here's the thing. I had an existential crisis a while ago. <laughs> All right. Um, and um, it was more about me looking for meaning in my life. This is about to get a bit dark. I hope that's okay. Um, <laughs> it's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have problems like how handling my anxiety and my depression. Um, and at some point, it just got really intense. And I found myself thinking, like, why? Why am I doing this? And it wasn't just about, like, creating things. It wasn't just about art. Even though I got to that, like, you know, I couldn't write. I couldn't perform because even though like I love performing I love looking at a sea of people and feeling like that one specific person connecting to my poetry but at some point I just couldn't find any meaning in all of that um and I love philosophy (laughs) so I read a lot um about all the kind of different ways to look at it like you know why why do I need to do anything and you know that instantly seeps into whatever I'm doing um, and I took everything away. I took all meaning away from everything. It kind of sounds like Descartes in a way. Um, if anyone, you know, li- you know, likes philosophy. Um, and once I looked at everything, I realized that everything is meaningless. It's just as meaningless oh, wow. as... <laughs> Wait, there there's a, I'm, there's I'm a happy you. turn you there. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to get no, that no, dark. No, 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 no. I, I, I love, no, I love like, this stuff. Please continue. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. I'm not just saying like my own life. I'm, say, I'm talking about humanity itself. Uh, like if the earth was... <laughs> let's just like think about the earth. Just not even the universe, just the earth. If it was, if we scale things down and the earth was 13 years old, we have been alive for one second. Like not us, all of humanity. That's nothing. And honestly, for the rate we're going with, you know, all the environmental clashes that we're having with, like, you know, the rest of the Earth, the Earth, we, I don't feel like, I don't feel like we're going to last for long. And even if we do last for long, it's still nothing. It's still nothing compared to how the dinosaurs lasted. So for Earth, we are a fling. <laughs> That's, um... And I know Earth, that... we are a fling. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 I um, when it comes to, um, you know absurdism okay, yeah. and, and meaningless. You can see here, like I have a lot of Abit Camus yeah. and stuff here. I love yeah, the... Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love the philosophy <laughs> behind it. Um, um, in my opinion, mm-hmm. okay, absurdism and meaningless shouldn't be something bad. Okay, It isn't something bad. Um, it shouldn't be something... It can be actually highly motivating mm-hmm. for people, you know, and the, the way of thinking, like, you know what? things yeah. go the way that it should be right mm-hmm. and we shouldn't really like, care that much you know because like whatever yeah, well, <laughs> but i hear the thing that uh, i would love to talk about more about yeah, the absurdism yeah. but i get you i get you but um, 
and I love the way that how you deal with it right now. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you actually find a way, um, which is I think the Abbas Kamu. I'm gonna quote mm-hmm. him. You know, like um, when he said, a lot of people trying to um, find the like, search for meaning, and they forget to live. Yes. Like, uh, yes. Find, exactly. Find the meanings for their lives, but they forgot to live. Yes. And which is which is goes back to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like you keep, you know. Facing anxiety and depression for things that you know, sometimes like not necessarily to be a yeah. big thing, but um, just facing them as nothing, mm-hmm. like, and deal with them. Yeah. I love that. I love Speaking that. of Camus, actually, one of my favorite quotes. But should I go on? Go on, okay. yeah, yes, please. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Camus, one of my favorite uh, quotes by him, and what actually got me to put things into perspective. Uh, was that the main reason, the main question of philosophy was not to answer, you know, like our personalities, you know, can be divided in nine state categories or three or whatever. It was like, why should we live and should we live or not? Yeah. Um, the myth of Sisyphus? Um, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I don't no, know. It's just an essay <laughs> that he talks about this stuff. Yeah. Okay. I don't know where exactly, but I know he said that. Mm. And um, it really hit a chord with me because mm. I feel like we should live on purpose. Mm-hmm. I know this is more philosophy than creativity, but I feel like it all boils well, down then to everything. Yeah. To each other, yeah. So what's the so, quote again? The what? what? What is the quote? What is what quote? The, 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 you, you said you were quoting him? Yeah, it, it's not like, I, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm paraphrasing, because oh. I don't... All right, yeah. all right, no <laughs> worries, no okay. But yeah, it's basically like the main idea of philosophy is, yeah... I have to say, I'm kind of lost in this conversation. I'm not the, all that read up on mm-hmm. philosophy. I know that at some point in my life, I'm going to have my own existential crisis <laughs> when I read Camus and read uh, Descartes and read Nietzsche or whoever his name is. Yeah. But <laughs> um, I'd really love to hear about how, after this existential mm-hmm. crisis, how did you pull yourself out of it? I mean, we see mm-hmm. now that you had this kind of like reading into philosophy mm-hmm. and then you have created a account to share with us your everyday ramblings, your everyday feelings. But what was the in-between between between that? How did you pull yourself out of that? Because I remember Mm -hmm. talking to you and I remember you telling me how how much of a despair you felt you were in. You felt like nothing had meaning and there was really no reason (laughs) for anything. And so I'm wondering, looking at you now, Mm -hmm. complete change. And I'm so, so proud of you. Thank you. But how did you get out? Um, I think w- it was it was this idea of am I gonna live on purpose or am I gonna live without meaning to, without w- like not without wanting to? Because um, I feel like this is kind of like in our culture now, especially people my age, like you know people just say they want to die over the smallest things, and I don't I don't people realize I don't think people realize just how serious of a thing that is to say. And when it, when you apply it to like your everyday life, when you know you're going into your your for me it was university, for someone it's their job or you know their creative work, and they're just like, yeah, I don't feel like doing this. I don't even want to do it. I want to die. And I feel like that is something that is not easy to say, um, but it is very easy to say for everyone. Um, but it shouldn't be that way. Um, I think that like right now, people a lot of people are depressed. And a lot of people are not talking about it. 
And for a lot of people, it's not just, hey, like, you know, I mean, yeah, it is a mental illness and it's a mental condition. Um, and I know that very well. Um, but at the same time, sometimes we can call what is a, a search for meaning or a search for who we are depression because we're just not finding what that is. Um, and I think that was what what was going on with me. I was really just looking at life and I was, you know, really not finding it, whatever that thing is, I, I wasn't finding it. Um, and I got diagnosed as severely depressed. I was put on antidepressants and it wasn't a, an easy ride. And it was, and like, you know, that, that solution was not the solution. Um, so when I came back out of it, it, it came back, it happened very slowly. Um, but it, it, it happened once I like started to decide with myself, am I going to live on purpose or not? And then everything else kind of day by day started to come into place. It's a day by day kind of thing. It is. It is very much a day by day kind of thing, but it's also like how you set your mind to be. I think what I'm saying, like it takes a lot of rewiring of how we, how we see life to kind of look at things and be like, oh, life is meaningless, but it's fine. It's it's because like for me I th I thought life was meaningless for a long time but that, there, the question after that was why should I create why should I do anything if life is meaningless because like not only that life is meaningless it can be annoying and not only making art or writing or you know performing is meaningless but it's also very it's a lot of work and for us to start doing that work we need to have a purpose for it we need to have a meaning for it that is outside of the grand scheme of things because in the grand scheme of things all of this is you know stuff just a blip just a blip yeah yeah well <laughs> um we can go all the way deep yeah. in that and i <laughs> i i agree with a lot of things that you said um i'm personally went through this kind of thinking yeah um like a while ago not like now but recently mm -hmm. but i can see i can see that the way that um you uh took the you know the meaningless as a motivation mm -hmm. and uh, it's it has to be like you need to create just for the sake of living and, yeah. and living is a mm -hmm. way of rebellion maybe like you're rebelling against uh they did life you know yeah and, exactly and and that's actually the the beauty of uh, creating anything Mm -hmm. um, but I want to talk to about you now. I want to focus on you about your creation, and yeah, sure. <laughs> I've read all the I've read a lot of your posts and stuff like that. No, and you talk you. about I talk, you talk about things around you mm -hmm. and how you relate to them. Can you talk to us more about how what's the inspiration behind that? Um, well, you know, because I'm doing it as a ritual for every day, so my plan is not to have a plan. Like my plan is like this is a day that I'm having, and I'm gonna have a thought. That I'm gonna want to share. Um, I think it's also good for me because I tend to rant. <laughs> All right. Like I'm like I think I'm that friend in like you know the the friend circle that is always that just has an idea and like they just want to share the whole thing. And I realize that you know what sometimes my friends don't want to listen, but someone on Instagram will. <laughs> <laughs> and that is like you know that's when I was just like you know what I'm sharing this. I'm sharing this outside of my friends because sometimes they like you know they're sick of me saying the same idea. Um, I'm not saying you know my friends are great, but <laughs> 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 but like I I don't know I just feel like um, 
I get to share that. And also I get to have fun with like learning how to design things because I like, you know, I'm just starting out in Photoshop and Illustrator and all of these things. Um, and it's, it's just fun. So I, you know, when I don't have an idea for a day, I just share a song that I like or a piece of lyrics or, I, I mean, I, ha I just have so much analysis of things to like share that I, I don't feel like I'm going to run, run out of things soon. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. beautiful. So how does this concept of meaninglessness, um, how is it injected in your work? Um, okay, so it's not really injected in my work as in, in every poem or everything that I share has something to do with relating to that theme. Um, but it's in the way that I create or the way that I think about creating things. Um, like I said, I am very anxious, especially when it comes to something that I'm creating. Um, but I also, like, I've always loved to observe things and how things are. And I realized that there's a cliche in every little thing. Like, no matter how unique something is or someone th thinks something is, there's actually so many things that are exactly like that thing. Um, I have an example that I just realized about myself recently. I was taking a class about, um, it's called Nations and Migration. And it's about people who migrate to different places, like, you know, live somewhere that's outside from their home. And I am kind of, you know, I'm an expat from Egypt in Kuwait. And I traveled, like, I grew up in Egypt until I was 12, and then I moved here. And, you know, I've always felt this identity crisis just looming above me most of the time, because, you know... I'm always here, there's a culture shock because I can't relate to the people, the way that people grow up here, but also when I get back to Egypt, I get a culture shock every single time. And by the time I'm used to it, I'm back to Kuwait and it's, it's just a lot of like, you know, re, like, reconfiguring the settings in my head in a way. And I thought that was just like me. I thought I was very unique when it comes to that, like, yeah, I'm having this struggle. And then I, when I took that class, I like and all the papers that I've read and all the research, like I, I did some research with people who grew up here and went back to Egypt. And I realized like, you know, I'm not even like, I'm not special when it comes to that at all. That is a very common way to see things. So in a way I am a cliche and I feel like, you know, we use cliches as in like, you know, a, a saying or something, but I feel like we can also apply it to anything that can be predictable. Um, someone, you know, who lives outside of their home or where they grew up would feel an identity crisis. That is a cliche. You can even categorize cliches. And I feel like, you know, a lot of the time we say like, oh, I don't, you know, you can't put me in a few boxes. You can't categorize me. You can't, mm -hmm. but you can. <laughs> I yeah. mean, no, no matter how many poems I write about how I can't be like boxed up, I, I really can be categorized. And, you know, when you zoom out enough, when you look far enough, you will see just how similar you are to other people. And I see that as a point of connection, not a point of, um, you know, like, oh, I'm not unique, I'm not special. Like one of my favorite poets said it best, um, or said it better, I guess. All right, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I pause at the weirdest poems. It's okay, go ahead. One of my favorite poets, Neil Hilburn, said, um, this is not to say that you're not special. This is to say that, thank God, you're not special. Hmm. Because it's best to connect. It's because, best to yeah, be able to, exactly. to share. Beautiful. Exactly. When you are special, it's kind of like this loneliness, in a way, of being in a different level or being in a different plane, whether that's a good or a bad thing. It's just not being able to connect. 
um, and we we can fool ourselves into thinking that we are very different from other people. So I feel like when we sit down and think about what we're struggling with the most, like I was once talking to my friend about this and he was just like, yeah, like it's kind of annoying to realize that you don't have a special way of being messed up. So in a way, we kind of pride ourselves on the way that we are whatever brought us to who we are today and of course i do like you know pride myself on whatever struggles that i overcame but i think it's important to look away from that to look out into other people and what they are struggling with too and to realize that whatever you're going through is not nothing but it's very common and that that is a good thing this it's not to belittle that struggle it's to say, hey, you are struggling, but so is everyone else. And that is why you need to share it. That's why you need to do something about it. Because like I said, like, you know, if it's all meaningless, if, you know, this is so short, then you get to, you get to be authentic for whatever short time you have here. So how do you combine this idea of authenticism and being a cliché? Okay, so I think because we are a cliche, once you embrace that idea, like, you know, like, I'm, I, I, when, I, when I write, I'm not saying, like, I'm going to write the, this poem and it's going to be the first of its kind. It's just going to be a poem. And, and I'm a 19-year-old. I'm a, like, you know, whatever I'm going through, probably people my age are going through it. Or probably people who are, like, you know, just, you know, there's someone else who's going through that. So my job is not to create something that is out of this world. It's, create to some, to, it's to create something that's in this world. Hmm. I keep moving the mic. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Can I, can I say something about yeah. that? Um, <clears throat> I can't agree more, you know? I, I love the way you said it. And I do believe that we, uh, even though we try to find this authenticity in, our world, in, in, in the creation or maybe like the originality of what we do, but we forget the idea that we are just a reflection of what we have lived and the people around us and the, the environment around us. This is us, nothing else. Yes. And if you <laughs> try to make something out of nothing, well, unfortunately, it's going to be like one of the most difficult things you're going to face. Or maybe we, we can call it an, an, an the biggest block, right? Yeah. And and I, I love it. I love the idea that you actually need to show more empathy, if I may say that, towards who are around you. If you want to create something, you want to think of not yourself, but what is happening around you. Yeah. I love this. I or love maybe it. even going upon that, it's not necessarily empathy because it goes beyond feeling what the other person is feeling. It's simply maybe sharing what you're feeling, which turns mm -hmm. out to be literally exactly what the other person yeah, is Yeah, I feel like it's recognizing your humanity. Yeah, being authentic in that kind of way. I think poetry, in, in, in poetry, I think we can do this in, in such an amazing way. Mm -hmm. And I say this as a poet, talking to a poet. Mm -hmm. um, when we get up on stage and we're able to to speak to an audience who feels and understands and believes in That's what we true. are saying, it's it's otherworldly. And I mm -hmm. think the the most successful, and I don't want to say successful in the sense of like fame and fortune, but the most successful in connecting with other people are the people who literally share their heart 
on stage. And you can say the same thing about music. You can say the same thing about art. Um, but in the sense of poetry, I think we, we, we do something up there on stage. Yeah, I feel I- like poetry, especially performance poetry, because in a page poem, you could lie. But in, when it's a performed poem, even though, like, you know, I learned from performing that you can fake an emotion. Mm-hmm. But you can't fake an emotion that was never there. And um, it's easy to see when a poem or a performance of a poem is not authentic. Um, so, yeah, true. But I feel like, I mean, I just remembered um, an open mic. Um, and there was a music, like, he, the guy was normally a musician. But that day he decided to share a poem. And once he looked at the people without his guitar, he was just like, oh, it's, it's so much harder with just a paper. <laughs> yeah, that, that stuck with me. Yeah. There's something about getting up on stage and like bearing your heart. It is. It's yeah. different. Um, but I can't really say if it's different or not because I've never been on stage with a guitar, right? So I can't. Yeah. I <laughs> always backstage. with the sound i'm not a poet you help the people you help the people share their stuff i always do like you know i love being like in backstage you see everything like you can't yeah i I, yeah that's amazing but you know back going back to the like relating to people oh even like coming out with something new okay when Mm -hmm. i say something new maybe like not necessarily new out of nothing but maybe um Maybe bringing not two orthodox, old things. Maybe. Yeah, okay. I feel like creativity is more... It's not like... Actually, it's never creating something new out of nothing. It's never that. It's more about assembling things that already exist. In a new way. Exactly. Mm. And sometimes I'm... Crea- like, you know... Sometimes I feel like I can be creative in a way that has been done before. That's actually, like, you know, what I'm still trying to say when it comes to being a cliche. You can be creative and still make the same point that someone else made. I mean, I'm pretty sure that someone else, you know, in a different podcast or like, you know, in a radio show or whatever, came and told people that they're meaningless. Absolutely (laughs) not. This podcast is completely out of nothing. (laughs) We are the first. Talk about Camus and and, and absurdity. No one else did that. um, No, someone else definitely did. (laughs) No one else did that. I'm unique. Um, that's amazing that's amazing um we're gonna have to wrap things up yeah thank you so much indeed. Uh, that was a lot of fun things a lot of things to think about and i love this i think thank i'm you. on the verge of my ex- ex- existential crisis right now <laughs> you have pushed me into the void and i don't know what to do i'm just kidding but i'll be there for you <laughs> <laughs> on the other side i'll be there for you well, let's just wrap this up. <laughs> <Okay>. Thank you, Angie. <laughs> right, thank, thank you so you. much. Angie. Take thank care. You. Thank you.